Hey, and welcome back to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman, pastor at Valley Christian Fellowship. Thanks for joining me today as we look at Romans chapter 14. Now, if you remember in the grand scheme of things, the book of Romans, we started by seeing how you and I, we lack the righteousness of God. And then we've seen how God graciously gives righteousness to sinful people through Jesus Christ because of his perfect life and his sacrificial substitutionary death. You and I, we are given the righteousness of God by faith, by trusting in who Jesus is and what he's done. And so now for these last few days, we've been looking at the implications of that righteousness. How do we live based on what has been done for us in Jesus Christ? And so Romans chapter 14 continues to explain this. And what we're going to see today is how we live when there might be a tension between us and another believer where we have a disagreement over what is right or wrong regarding an issue that is not clearly defined in Scripture. If we, we approach an issue and one person says that's wrong and someone else says, well, no, that's fine, but the scripture is not clear about it. How do we, how, how do these people interact with each other? That's the point of Romans chapter 14. And so let's jump in starting in verse one. It says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. This is where it begins. It says, if, if there is someone who disagrees with you, if they're weak in faith, you, you are to welcome them, but not so that you can have a uh, knockdown, drag out argument over who's right and who's wrong. Now, let's define who the weak brother is. Here's what it says, verse two. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let's stop there just at verse two for a second. It says the one person believes he may eat anything. This is the person who is strong in the faith. They look at something like, well, in, in this day, uh, a portion of meat that had been sacrificed to idols and then bought in the market and then that that brought home and prepared. And the person who is strong looks at that and says, well, I can eat that because I don't think idols exist. I think that there's one true God. And, uh, and this is just a piece of meat. This isn't going to affect my soul at all. Well, they're right. They're strong in the faith. Their, their faith is strong. But if there is someone who looks at that and says, oh, you know, that was used with in pagan worship and in idolatry and you know, I, I just, I can't, if I eat that, I mean, I would be offending God who loves me and who saves me. How could I ever do such an offensive thing to God? Well, what do we do with that person? Is it wrong that their conscience is bothered? How, how do these two relate to each other? Verse three, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And then, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Here, here's the basic principle. The one who is weak in the faith is not to pass judgment on the one who has the freedom to eat such a meat. And the one who has the freedom to participate, they should not despise the one who is weak. Be like, what's wrong with you? Why do you have to be weak in the faith? Why does your conscience have to be so bothered? This is where we land. It says God has welcomed him, but God has welcomed both through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the, it, the text continues. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. 
and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. This is what it says. says, Listen, we aren't to pass judgment on each other because ultimately we all stand before the Lord and we stand before the Lord with the lives that we've lived. And look, it's not our lives that actually lead us to stand before the Lord. The Lord is able to make him stand. Why? Well, because the Lord has saved them through the death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. Let's continue. It says one person, here, here's another example. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Scripture's not perfectly clear on this. And so because of that, there is some freedom. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and and gives thanks to God. This is saying each person, whether you abstain or participate, you do this with a conscience that is designed or desiring to give honor to the Lord and doing so with gratitude. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Our life is no longer our own. We are living sacrifices is what Romans 12 taught us. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. You sense the repetition here. The repetition is making it very clear that the life we live, whether we're someone who is, has a conscience bound to not participate in something, or whether we have the freedom, we should do either of those with the explicit purpose of honoring the Lord. Because we're his. This is for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. So when we're alive here and when we pass on to the eternal state, it says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? This is the one who abstains. Why do you judge your brother who has the freedom? They're not doing something the Bible explicitly condemns, and so you should not pass judgment on them. Or you, why do you despise your brother? This is speaking to the one who participates. Why do you look at the one who doesn't and say like, what's wrong with you? Why, why, why do you have to be so weak? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Let's just be really clear here. This is saying that both will stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account to the, for the life they lived. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Look right here, verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is where it lands. Every one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And so this is saying, if we are going to participate, make sure you can participate with a clear conscience. And if you're going to abstain, make sure you abstain in a way that is in honor of the Lord. Now, this applies to all sorts of things. This applies to the, the holidays. I know people that Christmas, they don't celebrate. I know people that Easter, they make sure they don't call it Easter. They call it Resurrection Sunday. These are conscience issues. The Bible doesn't speak with perfect clarity to these things. Make sure you're convinced in your own mind. This applies to the food we eat. 
Old Testament um, ceremonial law said that Jewish people were not supposed to eat certain foods. Well, there are, there are believers today, even though the ceremonial law has been fulfilled by Jesus, there are some who look at that and say, well, I, I can't eat pork. Like, that would be offensive to God. And Okay, if, if that's where your conscience is, if you, you're not able to walk in that freedom, the Bible would describe you as a weaker brother or sister, but that's not a derogatory term. That's just recognizing your conscience is bound. You'll give an account to God for that. The, the person who feasts and who eats whatever, well, you're going to give an account to God for that. Are you always feasting? Are you a gluttonous in the way you feast? Do you eat everything, whatever you want? Are you given to whatever whim of, of desire you have based on your, your stomach? Paul writes that, that some people, their God is their stomach. Be careful not to let that be you. How about alcohol? Is it a sin to drink alcohol? No. Is it a sin to be drunk? Yes. Are there are there some who say, I'm not going to touch a drop of alcohol? Yes. That, that's perfectly legitimate. Are there some that say, I, I will drink in moderation? That's perfectly legitimate. The, the Bible does not condemn that. But listen, do we condemn each other if we have a differing opinion on this? That's what this text is about. That's where this text lands. I a couple years ago when we were in the, the COVID uh, pandemic early on, there were some who they said, I, I won't wear a mask. There's some that says, I have to wear a mask. Well, the Bible doesn't say something about masks explicitly. There, there is some Romans 13 in, in how we obey authorities, but there's there's some, some tension there. There's some different understandings of, of the extent of that. Well, if you are a mask wearer, do you condemn someone who doesn't? And if you are a, if you are a, someone who did not wear the mask, are you someone who despised those who did? Listen, we must be very careful here. We must be very careful. Let me land in one more verse. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Rather, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of your brother. Now, this is not saying that we shouldn't pass judgment if, let's say, someone in our church is uh, murdering people. We, we should pass judgment on that person. Someone in our church is stealing. We should pass judgment on that person. Someone in our church is committing adultery or fornic fornication. There is a right and legitimate judgment based on the revealed word of God, the, the moral expectation, the, the Christian life. Yes, we should pass judgment on them, ultimately aiming them at repentance and trusting in the Savior, right? But this is saying, let us not pass judgment on things that are not clearly and explicitly described as sin in the scripture. Let's not do that. But instead, let's do everything we can to make sure we do not put a stumbling block in front of someone else. Here's what this looks like. Let's say you, your conscience is bound that you cannot eat pork. And I invite you over to my house and I cook, uh, I cook a, a pork roast wrapped in bacon. You know what I'm doing in that moment? I'm putting a stumbling block before you. I'm not, I'm not being loving or considerate or kind. So instead, what do I do? Well, we come over and I cook whatever it is that you're comfortable eating. And then we have a great time celebrating and honoring that we are in the Lord and we thank him together. That, that's what it looks like. Let's be careful not to put stumbling blocks in front of another, especially by despising 
or by, by uh, passing judgment on each other. This is our ancient way for our modern day.